0: You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today's speaker is Pastor Caleb Wilkinson. Hey guys, for those of you who haven't met yet, my name is Caleb, and I get to be one of the pastors here at the church, and I have the privilege of opening up God's Word with you this morning. We're going to be in... John chapter 13 verses 31 through 35 this morning. So you have a, a hard copy of the Bible. You can open it there uh, and we'll have it on the screen as well. And we're going to be finishing up a mini sermon series we've, ca- we've called Mission 101. And it's been, this is the fifth week of it and the pastoral team and I just hope that God's used it to expand your vision for the importance of our mission as a church. And when I say as a church, what I mean is, is yes, when we gather here on Sundays and when we gather across the community in our small groups together, but also when we scatter, when we scatter to our various neighborhoods and places in our community and embrace our various stewardships that God has for us. So we, we hope, again, that this last five weeks has been used by him to expand your vision of the importance of his mission for us. In a book we've highly recommended in the sermon series called Seek First, Jeremy Treat says this about the church and its mission. The local church is incredibly ordinary and surprisingly radical. In fact, there is nothing in history quite like it. Kingdoms have risen and fallen, movements come and go, but the church of Jesus remains withstanding the worst the world can throw at it, and marching on with vibrancy and purpose. If you wanna make a difference in the world, you can start by getting involved in the local church. When you join a local church, you're stepping into the stream of the Lord's constant work of bringing his reign on earth as it is in heaven. Now this morning, I'm assuming every one of us wants to make a difference with our lives in the world. But do you believe this? That you can start by joining the work of the local church, by being involved in the local church? And that when you do, you're stepping into the stream of the Lord's constant work of bringing his reign on earth as it is in heaven. And do you believe this? For those of you who don't believe this, I want you to know I'm so glad you're here, but I wanna put my cards on the table a bit and let you know that I hope that your mind is changed in our next 30 minutes or so together, and that by having your mind changed, your life will be changed, that you'll have new and deeper uh, vision for your life, goals and priorities and all that. So I'm glad you're here. And if you already are convinced of this, I'm glad you're here too. And I hope that Jesus will use this time together in his word to encourage you to keep going, to keep pressing in, in our church. Okay, Our mission as a church is to make disciples who love Jesus, his people, and his world. But it's not so much that this church has a mission as much as it's God's mission has a people. God's mission has People. God has a purpose with the universe, and He's got a people and a plan to fulfill that purpose. And the very best way we can use our lives is by knowing God's purpose, discovering our place in His purpose, and pouring ourselves out, embracing it. As we seek to discover our place in God's mission this year, I want to tell you what I think is maybe one of the most neglected truths in the church. Okay, it almost feels like a secret. It shouldn't be, but it kind of feels like it is. This is it. God's mission is all about people. It's all about loving people. Okay, look, look around for a second. Look around at these people sitting in front of you and on your row. God's mission is largely about loving these people right here. Okay, loving. His people. And this isn't to neglect loving Jesus or loving His world. No, we'll see that it's a primary way we love Jesus. And it's a primary way we love His world. Now that might sound overly simplistic, but it's the truth. And it's always been the truth. Do you want to know how the church initially exploded to reach the whole world with the love of Jesus? In the late 2nd century, a man named Tertullian told us, he he reported that non-Christians were saying this. They were saying, behold how these Christians love each other, how ready they are to die for each other. Okay, this, this comment is crucial. Behold, stare at, gaze at, what? How these Christians love each other. Okay, it was the mutual love of Christians that was a magnet that drew multitudes of lost people from every walk of life to Jesus. And in a world starved for real love, it has the same potential to do so in our community, in our day today, so this is what the Lord is summoning us to in His Word. His Word's on a mission, and this is what I believe He's summoning us to this morning. The main point of the passage we'll look at is this: pursue God's purpose by pursuing His people. Pursue God's purpose by pursuing His people. Let's open up and read God's Word to us. John 13 starting in verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him himself, and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going You cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Pray with me as we dive in here. Father, we... Thank you that you have glorious, glorious purposes and you've invited us to participate. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's on a mission and we pray, God, that it would accomplish its mission in each of our lives, in each of our hearts today. Spirit of God, we pray that you would do your work by your word in your people here in us for your glory. We need your help. Make us humble, make us teachable, teach us Jesus by your spirit. We ask this in your name to the Father. Amen. Amen. Jesus summons us to pursue God's purpose by pursuing his people. And what we're going to see, we're going to see this first by revisiting God's purpose. And then what we're going to do is we're going to look at God's people and look at God's plan. But first, God's purpose. Okay, the, the book of John, can really be divided in two parts. The first 12 chapters are called the book of signs. The second chapter, sec, second half is called, starting in chapter 13, is called the book of glory, okay? The first half, Jesus reveals his glory. And in the second half, Jesus receives his glory. So, so all that's happened up till chapter 13, the, the, the whole point of the first 12 chapters is, uh, you know, those seven signs, Jesus turning water into wine and healing the sick and the blind, and feeding 5,000, and walking on water, and raising Lazarus from the dead. Those, the whole point of those is to reveal the glory of Jesus. But now at chapter 13, we transition into Jesus receiving his glory. It's time for him to receive his glory, and it begins with him eating dinner with his disciples on the night he'll be handed over to be executed. Chapter 13, verse 1 is the hinge that turns into the book of glory. It says this, it says, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Okay, this hour that John's referring to, is the time Jesus is to receive his glory. He's been revealing his glory up till now, and now it's finally time for him to receive it. Right before our passage, Jesus just washed his disciples' feet, and he released Judas, knowingly, he knew what he was doing, he released Judas to go hand him over to his executioners, the people who would uh, be responsible for his imminent murder, okay? And this, this is his chosen path to glory ultimately he'll be glorified through a journey of deep deep humiliation and suffering culminating in the cross okay the the cross is where he'll be lifted up exalted and wearing a crown of thorns the cross becomes his royal throne from which he'll receive glory okay we need to get this if we're going to get the rest of the passage much more the whole Bible. The purpose of God, the mission of God is that he would be glorified. That's the point of the passage. That's the point of the book of John. That's the point of the Bible, and that's the point of all creation, okay? It's that he would be glorified. Glorified. Everything that's been created and is being sustained and will be redeemed and restored is for the glory of God. All that exists, exists to the praise of His glory. And we need to understand that the glory of God comes to its apex, not in the mountains or in the sunsets or in the cosmos or in a buzzer-beating wind for your team to defeat for the victory, for the championship. None of that. It comes in the suffering and humiliation of Jesus. That's, that's why Jesus begins our passage with now. Okay, I just release Judas. I'm on the road to suffering and execution. Now, right now, the Son of Man is glorified. Okay, this is his purpose, and God is glorified most when Jesus pours out his life on the cross to demonstrate his deep, deep love for Sinners. That's the apex of God's glory. It's one shared glory for God the Father and God the Son. It's, it's, it's his glory, which is what life is all about. And if you just read through the rest of the conversation through chapter 17, you're going to see that Jesus is fixated on his and the Father's glory. Okay? It's, 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 He's fixated on their glory being displayed. And I understand that this might not sound like good news to you today. But if it doesn't sound like good news to you today, let me ask you uh, to consider this question. Why is it not good news for you today? What else or who else do you want the universe to be all about? There's nothing even conceivably better than God. He's the fountain of all beauty and all goodness, all truth and all blessings. His, His glory is not present to steal anything from you. It's present to give, to give you more than anything and anyone else ever could. God's glory, his wisdom and power and justice and truth and mercy and and love and beauty being on display, it's life-giving, not life-taking. God's glory is the most life-giving thing in all the universe. And unless you get this, you're not going to get God. You're not going to get the Bible, and you're going to have an impossible time achieving contentment. Okay, Because we're not meant to act as the sun in our own solar system. With everyone else and everything else, including God, orbiting around us. No. God is meant to be the sun. We're to be the planets orbiting around him. We're at our very best when we live life and orbit around him. And this isn't really that foreign of a concept. Uh, You know, people experience this sort of thing all the time. I'm going to bring up a bit of a short subject for many of you. But uh, on Thursday night, AT&T Stadium was filled with nearly 100,000 fans paying top dollar to watch Cowboys play Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Now, sorry, I'm bringing it up. but, uh, But let's just pretend, for the sake of the illustration, that that game went differently. But the Cowboys came back with a come-from-behind victory in the fourth quarter. Okay, what what would have been happening in the stands? Okay, with the fans, okay, they'd be thrilled. They'd be cheering with elation about their team's victory. And it's not like they'd be playing on the field. They're in the stands, in a big giant circle surrounding the field, surrounding. The team, you know, they're, they're, they're watching. But the success and joy of their team would become their own. And no, no good fan would be complaining about that. They'd be thrilled to be orbiting around the glory of their team. Okay, God's glory is sort of, sort of like that for his people. It's a spreading goodness that becomes our own, giving us satisfaction and life okay so that that's why it's good news that God's purpose is his glory because it's what's best for us and it's what he made us for and so I just need to establish this before we move on because that's where the text starts and also it's going to be crucial for us to understand this new command we're about to receive so so now we're ready now let's look at the new commandment and what we're going to see is at the center of this new commandment is God's people Verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. there's so much here that the, the author, John, would end up spending five chapters talking about just that verse in the letter 1 John. So if you are intrigued to learn more about this verse, you can go read five chapters on it, essentially. It's the first authoritative commentary on this passage but we 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 though we can't get all the work done we can get something done today so let's let's look at it and what we're going to see is first off this isn't self-help advice it's not a recommendation or a suggestion it's a command from the king of the universe the one who has all power and all authority in heaven and on earth okay he's our lord and we belong to him so he has the right to make demands of us because we're not our own we're his okay next it seems pretty clear what the commandment is. It calls us to love one another. But if you're reading it like I've read it, or first read it, uh, at first it's surprising that Jesus calls it new, isn't it? Like, it seems so familiar and old. Leviticus 19:8 says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's been around a while, and it's frequently repeated throughout the Scriptures, throughout the Old Testament. Jesus Mentions it several times. So so what makes Jesus' commands new? As we slow down and look at it, we'll see at least three things. First, it focuses our attention not on our neighbors to include our enemies, but rather on fellow believers and disciples. This command focuses our love on his people. It calls us to love one another. Okay, but let's keep looking because there's a lot more new here. He says, just as I've loved you, you also are to love one another. Could you see that? Jesus is basing this command on his own love for his disciples. So this is the second way it's new. Never before had the Son of God come into the world as a man, much, much more a servant, and laid down his life. For his people. Okay, this love is off the charts. Their understanding of love is being taken to an unfathomable plane of greatness that had never taken place before. A couple chapters later in, in John 15 verses 12 and 13, Jesus repeats this command but goes even farther filling in what, what this love looks like. He says this, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has none than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Okay, the Old Testament demanded, love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus is now saying, love my people better than you can possibly love. Love my people better than you can possibly love anyone, much less yourself. Love them like you're being loved by me, who serves you. And who dies for you. So, this is new in the sheer depth of the demand because, in light of the cross, all other descriptions of love ever pale in comparison. And and, and what this does is, this really leads us to the third way this command is new. It's, It's hard to see in our passage, but it's certainly implied because, if you haven't noticed, he's calling us to the impossible. So, we're sort of pushed to ask, how do we do the impossible and imitate his laying down your life love? Okay, There must be something more. And there is. We, we just got to keep reading. We just have to keep press, pressing into the conversation. Listen, in f- chapter 15, 9, Jesus tells us, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Okay, Do, do you see the newness there? This is... This is at the heart of it. This is the new engine. This is the motor making the impossible command possible. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. The command is is new, not only because it's calling us to copy Jesus' sacrificial love. It's new because it's calling us to be in Jesus' sacrificial love. Abide in my love. What's that mean, abide? Abide. What does that mean to abide in his love? To explain this, Jesus uses the analogy of a vineyard and a grapevine. He says, a branch on its own can't produce anything. The power is in the vine. If a branch isn't connected to the vine, it's not going to bear any fruit. Meaning, if we don't abide in his love for us, we won't have his love to give one another. listen, Listen to the way John Piper summarizes Jesus' explanation. Just as I've loved you, you also are to love one another. Yes, but not by copying my fruit, but by connecting to my vine. You don't mainly imitate, you participate. You, your love for each other is not a simulation of mine, but a manifestation of mine. Okay, you are the branches, I am the vine. If you abide in me, you can bear fruit. When we, when we love each other in obedience to the new commandment, we're loving each other with the very love of Jesus. This is not mainly imitation, but manifestation. Our lives are in Jesus, and our love is His love. Okay, so we don't mainly imitate. This isn't a command or a call to imitate, we participate. Our love isn't only a reflection of Jesus' love, but a manifestation of it. And, and this results from us finding our very life in Jesus' love. Okay? Being rooted in him and his love as our life source. Getting our nutrients from his love. Finding our peace and our identity there and being content to remain there. And listen to what he tells us in chapter 15.8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So everything is getting connected here. this is it. Jesus' purpose is to glorify the Father, and we as people pursue His glory by pursuing one another with His love. and that's why it glorifies Him. It's, it's not our love. It's not our love. We, we don't have it. It's not our efforts. We can't do it. It's his love we're called to manifest. It's his love that, that's, called, that's to fill the earth. It's his love, so it's his glory, not ours. Now, in the next chapter, Jesus is going to say, you can't even do this. You can't abide in my love. You're going to need a lot of help. And I'm going to send him to you because help isn't a thing I give you. It's a person. It's myself. It's the Holy Spirit. So, so to get help abiding in my love for you, I'm going to send a helper, my very spirit, to help you do that he basically is just doing this he's reaffirming that it's his love and therefore it's his glory it's his love we're called to manifest his love so it's his glory not ours and we're going to get to some application in a bit but but first let's look and talk about the potential result of our participation okay this is the plan of jesus to make his greatness known in all the earth, to be glorified in all the earth. This is his plan, verse 35. By this, all people will know, I'll be glorified in all the earth. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Okay, So do you see how this works? The purpose of God is his glory and his glory causes us to love Jesus and because he's loved us so deeply that's why we love him and so we remain in his love because there's nowhere else to run to there's nowhere else to go and as we do we're filled with his love so we can love his people and as we love his people all the world will know we're his disciples okay loving one another has an evangelistic power okay remember what the the non-christians were saying behold How these Christians love each other. Behold, stare, gaze. Be captivated. Be mesmerized. At what? How these Christians love each other. How ready they are to die for each other. And they came to Jesus in masses. Do you get it? That, That a community of love is the visible authentication of the gospel. It proves that Jesus is from the Father. And... It brings flesh and blood credibility to the good news that he loves us and gave himself for us. And he, he is with us. He's among us. How, how else can a group of sinners like you and me love one another with an impossible love? Okay, it's an evangelistic power. That, that's why a man named Francis Schaeffer called this, said this. He said, love is the final apologetic. Our love for one another is the final apologetic. That's the very best way we can love his world, is by loving one another. And and, and just to note, in the same conversation, Jesus is going to say, That's the very best way you can love me, is by loving my people. Love your brothers, love your sisters. Okay, this gives us incredible potential to have real and lasting meaning in the world. We can pursue God's purpose by pursuing his people right in this room. Okay, listen, God's plan for his church is for us to be a kingdom outpost or embassy in a foreign land that doesn't know his love and as such when we're that when we're that embassy we get to serve as a preview for what his kingdom is like okay think of a movie preview in just a few minutes a preview shows us what a movie's about but in a compelling enough way so that we long to watch the whole thing um I, uh, my kids often have time coming up with the movie, agreeing on the movie they're going to watch. We've got princess movies, and my older boys are like, no, let's do Transformers, and they don't know what to watch, so, but they need to watch the same thing. And so a uh, little trick is to show them the preview. Two minutes. Show them the preview, because skeptical if they're skeptical of the movie, they get drawn in, and all of a sudden everyone's on the same page. The preview shows what the movie's about, and it makes you long to watch the whole thing. Well, that's very similar to what we're to be, okay? Our love for one another is like that preview and it's supposed to be compelling enough to make the watching world want the whole thing, want more. that's what our mutual love is to be for the world, okay? As Australian theologian Michael Byrd puts it, he says, the spirit-filled church is a global billboard Declaring good things that God has prepared for the restoration of all things. Grace Church, our love for one another is to be a global billboard planned by God to make the world long for Jesus and his kingdom. We get to be a preview of his kingdom. So today we're left with this question. What will we do about it? Like, How will you respond to this by this? All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What, what will you make of this plan? Do you, do you want to jump into the stream of God's constant work in the world and be a part of this global billboard to the, uh, to the world? If you do, we got to pursue one another we got to pursue one another. So let's get to some application. Jesus summons us to pursue one another. And he, he summons us to pursue one another with ordinary acts of love. The ordinary acts show the extraordinary love of Jesus. So immediately before he gave this command, he washes his disciples' feet. And, and this was the lowest task reserved for the lowest servant in his day, the, the dirt, the Roads were made of dirt and filled with all the uh, fallout of animal traffic. But Jesus, the King of the universe, lays aside his status and his rights and he takes on the lowest task. And he, the, right after he does it, he tells the disciples, And you go and do likewise. Now, this probably doesn't look like feet washing in our day, but the idea is to go low and foot washing like service for one another so what ordinary acts of love acts of lowly service can you do in your daily normal life of course you'll need to know others enough to know their needs but once you do it's game on it's Green light for stepping into the stream of what God's doing on the earth. It's time to follow and chase. That's what pursue means. Follow and chase like a dog chases a cat. It's it's time for us to pursue our brothers and sisters across racial and ethnic and socioeconomic lines. It's time for us to love the weakest, love the oldest, love the youngest, love the poorest, love the richest, love the disabled. Love the troublemaker, love the single and the lonely, love the afflicted and the grieving. I want to pause here and just let you know, Grace Church, that I see you doing this so well. Like I I regularly have watched hordes of people show up in the neighborhood to pack up a family and move them across town or across the country. I've seen you Show up when somebody's sick with a meal or when a family's brought home a baby. Show up with meals and encouragement and in and, and other ways. I see you give sacrificially of your, and generously of your finances. Like, I, I've been a recipient of this myself numerous times, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful and, and, and more. The world is watching It might be your neighbors connecting. Maybe you don't even know they're there. They're watching through the window, and they're on a hot Saturday morning in Dallas. They're saying, "Those aren't professional movers there," but there's a lot of them on hot Saturday morning, and they're doing that with joy. And wow, I think that's their church for them. I knew they went to church. I think that's their church. I've never experienced anything like that. That's amazing. That's amazing. Or it's your, it's your lost coworkers or family members at the baby shower or at the hospital or seeing you receive the meals or see your grass cut. It's your, your lost companions scanning your social media feed saying, wow, wow. That person's love. They're being loved. That's the thats the church. Guys, the world is watching. And I, I want you to know that I'm so encouraged by Jesus' promise to us here that the world will no, we'll know we're his because I can see that you have love for one another. I can see it. It's beautiful. And I'm so grateful. The pastoral team, the staff is so grateful to watch you guys knocking it out of the park, loving one another. So I just... Want to commend you and tell you, keep going. Keep going. And, and, and this morning, I think Jesus wants to help us keep going by having us revisit the ordinary acts of love he poured out on his disciples, okay? Because if it's Jesus' love we're manifesting, we do, do well to watch what he does, okay? And there's plenty to glean from just by paying attention to him in the room where it happened, okay? Here's, here's a few ways he loves just here in the upper room. The first one is commitment. Chapter 13, verse 1 says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Okay, Jesus was committed to his people to the end. And remember who's in the room. Okay, Within hours, Jesus is going to be arrested and almost everyone is going to flee and desert him. One of the, one of the men, uh, Judas, is, is literally on his way. He's got a foot out the door, ready to go sell him for... Silver. Another one, Peter, is going to deny three times that he even knows Jesus. Okay, Jesus know this isn't a this isn't blindside, Jesus. He knows it's going to happen, and yet he commits to them to the end. He loves them, and he demonstrates that love to them by committing to them. So this is this is his love. Commit to his people. Commit to people. We, we, we To manifest his love, we need to commit to people and show up when we say we're going to show up. And we need to be there when it's hard, when we're not getting anything out of it. Okay, so one application is pursue God's people by committing to God's people. And next, notice Jesus is spending his very last night on earth eating and drinking with his disciples. Okay, table fellowship was a high priority for him. And that's that's a way to show his love to one another, to prioritize table fellowship, to share meals and coffees. You know, Aaron talked about this last week with, with Welcome One Others, Christ has welcomed us. Okay, this, this, sharing a meal together can be a regular commitment you make to others. Like it can be a weekly coffee or a monthly meal with a handful of people. Okay, we can pursue God's people by prioritizing sharing meals with them. Next, in this room, we see Jesus is affectionate. With his people. He's affectionate with his words. In our text, he calls them, and these are grown men, little children. He's not talking baby talk to them. This is a a term, a tender term of endearment, normally only reserved for close relatives. And we too can use our words affectionately, vulnerably. And this is to, to women and it's to men. I don't know how your dad talked to you. If it looks like a lot of the culture, it probably wasn't vulnerably and affectionately. I'm not, talking, I'm not telling you to talk to people like your dad or your family members talk to one another. I'm, t- I'm saying let's talk to one another like Jesus talks to us. Affectionately, tenderly, vulnerably. It's good for us to say, I love you or I love you, man. Okay, directly and indirectly, in person, over the phone, with our texts, and with our tweets. So we can pursue God's people by speaking affectionately to one another. And guys, there could be so much more we find uh, by, by what Jesus demonstrates for his love for his people here in the room. But really, all of this is just summarized in one main application, okay? One main application. Pursue friendship with God's people. Pursue Friendship. All of Jesus' acts of love just describe a good friend. That's what Jesus is doing here in the upper room, and that's what he's been doing ever since we walked away from his friendship in the garden. He's pursuing friendship, even with those who aren't interested in it and aren't pursuing friendship back. Guys, here it is. You want to make a difference in the world? You want to pursue God's purpose, his glory in your life? Pursue deep and meaningful friendships with one another. Pursue deep and meaningful friendships with one another. I'm not saying pursue deep and meaningful friendships with everyone. We, we can't be friends with everyone by its nature. Friendship is possible with just a handful of people. But everyone should have a friend in this church. And the very best way to have a friend is to be a friend. That that might be the single biggest way to strengthen our church and to love our community and to love God's world is to pursue friendship by being a good friend. And I'm going to give one clarification. It's very important, but I'm going to only say it once. Listen, we need to pursue friendships with non-Christians too. That's essential. I'm not saying we glorify God by pursuing friendship only with Christians, but it's certainly never less than that. And Marty and I are convinced that the place our children will learn how to be good friends and then eventually good neighbors who love the world is at the dinner table with their siblings. And I think it's the same with our church. As we pursue friendship with one another, we'll grow in commitment, fellowship, affection, and selfless sacrifice. And we'll better demonstrate these qualities in all our other relationships, including our non-Christian friends, neighbors, and coworkers. Okay, so so pursue friendship with one another by being a good friend, and, and, and do this in your small groups, knowing that often, guys, most often, fellowship precedes friendship. It's not the other way around. Most often, fellowship precedes friendship. Now, this is beautiful and, and, and sounds super, super simple, but there are major obstacles to overcome to be a good friend, okay? And the biggest obstacle, I'm guessing for you is the same one for me. The biggest obstacle to me being a good friend is, is me. Okay? We, we live in a non-committal culture where everyone wants to get their, keep their options open. Okay? We're plagued by a fear of missing out. So we don't commit to much at all, especially people. But friends, we've been lied to. We've been, we've been, we've been sold a big fat lie. We've been told that we can be free of commitments and still have deep, meaningful community. Okay, and it's a big fat lie, and you wanna know why? Because keeping our options open, only committing to a person or a place, as long as it's good for me, being non-committal means the only thing I'm really committed to is myself. And selfishness kills community, it kills friendship. In his book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this, he said, the way to one another is blocked by our own ego. The weight of friendship is blocked by our own egos. Okay, Tim Keller says, it's because we're glory empty, starve for significance, honor, and a sense of worth. So what we do is we use people rather than love people. Listen, th- this is why it's so crucial to get God's glory at the center, at the center of everything, because if we don't, we'll be about our own glory, we'll be glory starved, and we'll just use people. We'll, we'll even use things that look like very loving and sacrificial and generous, generous acts to bolster our own self-image, which is really just self-love. And so we have big, big obstacles to overcome, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. But as we wind down here, let's remember that we have Help. Jesus shows us what being a good friend is like. And, and here's the really good news. Ultimately, he does more than foot washing and speaking affectionately. He lays down his life for his friends. And in this, he gives us so much more than an example to imitate. He gives us forgiveness. And he gives us a loving friendship to abide in. Okay? Jesus lays down his life for his friends. His friends. You. And me, people who've not been very good friends to others. Okay, If we're going to be good friends to one another, we need to revel in his friendship, his commitment, his affection, his fellowship, his sin-bearing, dying on a cross, love for us. Okay, Let's abide in it. And then let's turn his love for us to one another. Because when we abide in his love, we're finally free from being glory empty and starved for significance. Okay, Abiding in his love puts us where we belong, back in orbit around his glory. We'll never be called to die for the sins of our friends uh, like, like Jesus was. He did that already, but, but he may give us the opportunity to have an extraordinary act of love and, and die for them. But let me ask you a question as we end here. Do you think you're really going to die for your friend who you won't make a regular commitment to share a meal with? Or who you won't speak affectionately and tender with? Like, we have enough to grow in with the ordinary. And more, in large part, it's going to be the ordinary, everyday deaths that tell the watching world that Jesus is real, His love is great, and we belong to Him. Okay, so, Grace Church, by God's grace, let's pursue His glory by pursuing His people with His love in ordinary acts, and let's trust that when He brings us to the extraordinary, It's just gonna be, there's gonna be momentum from the ordinary acts that carries us through that he'll continue to fill us with his love for one another at that moment, okay? The world is watching. The world is watching. Let's pursue God's purpose by pursuing his people. Okay, with God's help, let's cause people in our own community, in our own day to say this. Behold how these Christians love one another. We need his help. Let's pray. Well, Father, we, we do need your help. We're desperate for your help. Just like your, your word is telling us, we uh, are called to do something that we can't do so that we depend on you, abide in your love, which is better than life, to get help from your Holy Spirit so that you can do in us what's impossible so the whole world will know that you're among us. You love us. You're really from the Father, Jesus. We, we pray, Lord, have mercy. Pour all your spirit afresh on us. Fill us. Help us abide in your love. Help us see it as better than life. Help us find our identity, our, our peace, our hope, and your steadfast love. And we pray, God, that, that you would bear much fruit in us among one another so the whole world will, will be able to watch us, especially North Dallas and our community would watch us and be able to say, for your glory, behold how Grace Church loves one another. Pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.